0: Love Talk Radio. I'm going to a city that's dead on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's dead on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there go into the city at square the gates are made of jasper and I'll see Jesus there I'm going to the city hello
1: everybody god bless you today this is Susan Puzio and I want to welcome you to the prophetic news radio broadcast on blog talk radio we also have our website propheticnews.com our YouTube channel, which is under my name, Susan Puzio. And we have our two books, See Faith, Can a Man bribe God? And also, that book will be free to read on Amazon Kindle if you want to for the next five days. So if you don't have a Kindle, you can... um, Download this Kindle reader for free from Amazon, and then you can read different Kindle books. But if you go to Amazon and you look for Susan Puzio or Seed Faith, probably better to put in my name because sometimes when you put in Seed Faith, my book might not come up for a few pages. But anyway, you can read that book for free for the next four or five days, Amazon Kindle. And then we have our book about Paula White, The Heretic in the White House. Thank God she's no longer in the White House. But anyway, those two books are there for you. And so they'll be available there. And we're going to be updating the two books in the next few months. I need to rewrite the Seed book, because there's so many things to add to that book. And then the Paula White book, there's a lot of information that we have come across recently that we need to redo. But anyway, let's bring our guest on. Our guest is Jackie Alnor. Hello, Susan, and everyone listening. Yes. Hello, Jackie. We're going to have uh, a good time today. And we will be talking about the Harlot Church, the Bride of Frankenstein. (laughs) Good name for her, huh? Yeah. (laughs) The hag. Yeah. (laughs) The monster.
2: Yeah. Well, it's a sad condition we see today because that's the that's the church that most people in the world see. You know. They're not seeing the the true bride and who has really become a remnant and I, I maybe that term is overused but uh, you know I see more so I like terms the they use the term scattered sheep because I think it seems like the two is scattered uh, you know but then again you know we're we're like lights in the darkness and
0: can't
2: I guess the lights can't all come in one place it's got to be out there shining light everywhere and that's really really, I think the way the true church is.
1: Yeah definitely no matter what happens in the world we're still here to be salt and we have to remain salty (laughs) through Mm -hmm. it all and uh, we just see everything going crazy as far as politics but it's Similar to what's going on in the churches with the apostasy, really the the heresy, and they've gone so far away from the word of God. And basically, most of these places have become entertainment centers or fleecing centers for the pastor to get rich and then to hand everything down to his children to put his children on the staff and, and uh, mm-hmm. they're buying yachts and jets and Rolexes and mansions and that's really not what church is supposed to be all about. No, it's big business.
2: That the ones who are the most visible are the ones who are in business and they're the ones that you know are looking at the dollar sign as the bottom line. for for some, for these people, you know, and it's, you know, what can you do? Because that's just the nature of this world. And these people are part of the world and they have the desire for riches and the love of money, which is, as Jesus said, the root of all evil and people who chase after it are just, are just filled with evil, every kind of evil, because money It it, it buys alliances. It influences people. It does all these things to take a person's influence off of of Jesus and onto money. And um, I've seen that close up in so many ways is, well, you know, we we can't really say that because our donors might not like that. And so, uh, you know, so so we don't want to speak the truth there because we could lose half our people, you know, and it's true. (laughs) Because those who have done that, who are on radio and such, if they do speak the truth, yeah, their people take a walk because you're not giving them what their itching ears want to hear. And so you you can't give them what their itching ears want to hear and stay true to Jesus Christ. It's
1: incompatible. Yeah. Well, also, they worry about their tithe money and they worry about their listeners or the people that are watching them on TV. Also, a lot of these networks won't carry you. Uh, They're not going to carry my program, that's for sure. And they wouldn't carry your program or your programs. So it would be hard to find uh, a network that would not compromise the truth just for the sake of selling airtime or... (laughs) And, you know, it
2: reminds me of is I never monetized my YouTube channel, but yeah. I got I asked a couple of years ago I got a notification from YouTube saying, uh, we, "We hate to inform you of this, but your your station or your, your channel is not um, is, is not popular enough to monetize. We really it's not advertiser friendly." And so, even though I never monetized, I said, "Don't worry, you can still use YouTube." You just can't monetize it. There's, there's nothing there for an advertiser like, to cling on to. It. They said it's something I'm paraphrasing, but that's just it. Because if you are speaking in the way that the advertisers like, then I guess that's kind of like what the Bible says, when the world loves you, be careful when the world loves you. Yeah. <laughs> because if the world loves you, <laughs> maybe you better
1: you know, re-examine your faith. Yeah. Well, who cares about popularity? It's more important to be popular with Jesus. I'd rather be popular with him than to uh, worry about being popular with the world. Because there's so much at stake when you realize that you're talking about where people are going to wind up when they're dead. They're going to wind up in heaven or hell. And a lot of churches don't even want to talk about hell anymore because they're afraid they're going to offend somebody. Yeah, and, and they
2: will, they will. But at the same time, that's catering to the goats in the church and not to the sheep. And that's been a that's like you know, it's always been a problem. But today ridiculous. It's like I d I don't know how how to put it. It's like the church has reverted to the way it was before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the sixties, seventies. And before that it was just all, you know, loopwarmness and all of that. And, you know, cold apathy is returned now. And that's just the way it is. There's just biblical illiteracy. And um, maybe we'll talk about it a little later, but there isn't a single seminary that we can trust anyone coming out of with that isn't tainted by false teaching and by business models. And all of that, because that's what they all teach—is how to start the business of church. And they're not yeah. getting—they're not getting the devotion to Jesus Christ and to die to self and live to Him. You're not going to see that coming out of a the seminary. They're going to teach you. As <laughs> again, I'll, we'll talk about that later. But they're going to teach you how to do the uh, contemplative prayer and, and and get to know yourself. I can't, you know.
0: <laughs>
3: that's the thing, one. Yeah, well, I've had enough yeah. of
0: myself. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: know. So, it's so
0: like you clinic. can't.
2: So, how can you? Okay, so you have pastors that have that kind of training, and if they don't have seminary, then it's almost like everyone to their own thing, you know, and, and then it, then you have all this inconsistency, <clears throat>
1: you know,
2: and, and all kinds of other gimmicks that they invent, and you, you
1: know, and so well, they started yeah. all that they started that with the church growth movement. A lot of that is a reflection of that when they started to hold seminars, and they, they were going to train pastors on how to grow their churches. And, mm-hmm. it, and then it was more like a business than it is for a place for people to come and fellowship and then have the word taught to them. But, yeah, it became a business and, and uh, the pastors don't even care enough to really study the word themselves They to find out what it says, because you still have people teaching Malachi 3 as a tithing scripture <laughs> and perverting it talking about opening the windows of heaven and it really means rain. And when you look at it, it's uh, talking about the crops and the locusts are going to could eat your crops, but they say the devil's going to take your money and he's going to break down your washing machine and your car could break down and bad things could happen. And so they're so illiterate. Most of these people and they don't, I think some of them probably do know what the truth is as far as giving goes, but they don't like to teach it because they're afraid that they're not going to get enough money to fund their vision.
2: And, uh, or so. their building facilities. What about yeah. that? Like I I visited a church because I moved, and so I visited a couple of churches already in the past month. And um, and and one just talked about, about Melchizedek. Again, I think he was going through Hebrews, and when Melchizedek came up, he says and and Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek and that's where we get this New Testament tithe because Melchizedek, Melchizedek is mentioned in the New Testament. So therefore and I think, okay, are you Melchizedek? <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, what makes
1: them Melchizedek who had no <laughs> parentage? You know, um no, you well know. Abraham didn't give his money. I, I would have stood up and said, Uh, Pastor by the way, you know Abraham didn't give his money; he gave the spoils of war, so uh where do you get that from? But, <laughs> well, no, don't, said, don't rock their boat don't, don't rock no their boat. no,
2: the pastor said this this church facility is worth three million dollars, and so it needs to be supported. Well, the thing is, the church has been there for a hundred years, and, and so well, it turns out that the pastor is also millennial and this is what I see in a lot of churches as I check their, the various uh, web pages of these churches in the, in, the, in, the, in the area I look at their at their statement of their faith, you know their doctrinal statement and almost every one of them it will not mention Jesus returning except to judge the living and the dead. so it totally bypasses and forgets the, um, the millennial rule of Christ on earth. He, he's not coming back to rule and reign. He's just coming back to end end of the world, new heavens and new earth. The old earth has passed away, et cetera, et cetera. And so it, when they say, well, oh, it's not the end of the world, you know, yet, well, they're saying that because their view of the future, when Jesus shows up, it is the end of the world. Forget the kingdom, and, and so I won't even go to a church that, that 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 teaches that. All millennialism has really gained popularity. I can't believe how many just talk about jesus returns to create a new heaven and new earth well if he why should he come back here if he's just going to create a new earth <laughs> and that means he's not coming back at all oh he's coming back to a new earth not this one it's going to be destroyed the, They they can't defend their positions and um because it's there's too many contradictions but they don't even want to look at it they see it as a negative thing that if you tell people Jesus is coming back and the Antichrist is going to show up and blah blah blah, they they see that as too negative, and so they
1: they won't bring it up because they oh. might scare some of the tithers away. Well, that's it. They worry. They do worry about the tithers, and we need a whole new Testament model for churches where the pastor lives by faith himself. And then he he'd be a good example to teach you how to trust God. It's much better. You might you're going to go through some hard times. Uh, a pastor or somebody trying to start a church without collecting tithe money. They're going to. It, it might be difficult, but it's always much better to learn how to trust God for your daily bread and to meet your needs, so that you don't beat up on the sheep every week, and depend on people to pay your bills because you're going to be rudely disappointed. And we see the what's going on as far as all these pastors leaving the ministry. And there's d- just that pastor of rock church there in Virginia beach, Virginia, that was pastored by Ann Jimenez and her husband, John, the pastor that she appointed wound up going to see prostitutes. And he was in a prostitute's thing. <laughs> So all the money and and everything that he had, it wasn't enough. He had to go and start visiting prostitutes. So you can't elevate a man, a human being, and treat him like he's some kind of a God figure if he's the pastor. And a lot of the pastors allow it. And then they wind up totally messed up because it, it contradicts you're following Jesus when you think more highly of yourself than you are. So I I hope that we see more churches where the pastors are living by faith. They're not begging the people. We're not supposed to beg for money to operate our ministries. God knows what we need. And why do we think that God doesn't know?
2: <laughs> well, and you know, and, and when we, as believers, uh, who believers that do have an abundance of money, I can't be counted into that group. But there are such believers who are, who do give and who are good givers, but who are led by the Holy Spirit, not not compulsion by these kinds of flock leasers, but that are sensitive to the needs of others. And, yeah, and, and can and they do help. And I would never want to discourage. Christians from giving, because we're, you know, that, that's, there's a, there's actually, it's isn't, isn't that listed as, as one
1: of the gifts, is the gift of giving? It seems like... Well, in, how, um, the thing in, is, how could, you really, how could you really discourage a Christian from giving? Because it's in our nature. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's why they yeah. take advantage of that. And that's yeah. why they, yeah, they take advantage of that. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to tell us to... To help people, we want to. Right, <laughs> right.
2: right. It, you're right. We're born that again. Is, that's right. And um, yeah. you know, because yeah. there's people in churches that are in, that go to a church and and when they can't pay their electric bill or something like that, and they go to the pastors a lot of times. Oh well, you know. Maybe if you worked a little harder, you could pay. You know, they, <laughs> it, it's very few places. In fact, the mega churches you'll find it even harder to find help in a time of need. You know, they'll, they'll send you to, you know, the local welfare office rather than help you in a lot of situations. I'm not saying sure. they all do that because some do have a benevolence fund where or they can help people. But I've known of places where I've heard of them where they say, well, let me check your tithe record." Yeah, they do
1: yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, they do that to people. But you can't even be a member in a lot of these churches unless you're 10% giver. They won't yeah. even allow you to have membership. But anyway, I'm a member of the body of Christ and that's good enough for me. So I, uh, I, I would like to see some changes because people are leaving these churches. They're leaving. They don't want to be beat over the head every Sunday. And uh, they want to go and feel comfortable. I wouldn't want people to come to my radio broadcast and and, uh, they're coming here. Some people are coming here to be refreshed or they're coming to enjoy uh, a program, a gospel program. I wouldn't want them to come here and I'm beating them over the head for 20 minutes for money. (laughs) Yeah, and or a, in a nice
3: like, yeah.
1: Oh, I'm not gonna make it. If you don't help me, I'm gonna go mm-hmm. under. And it's like, Get, please go away. You know what you could say to
2: people who do that? Is you know who who say we're not gonna make it unless you give? Well, then maybe you're not meant to make it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's kind
2: of. To- Close
1: down the shop. Yeah, yeah. Well maybe you should go away. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Come back. Maybe God's trying to tell you something. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> That's it. maybe God's trying to tell you something. But they they uh the Harlot Church goes and they buy the big building and they buy the fancy everything, the fancy sound equipment and the fancy screens and You're looking at somebody. They're standing there at the pulpit. You could see them, but yet there's a big screen that makes them even bigger, so you feel more intimidated. There's the fearless leader on the big screen in front of you. You know
2: what what that reminds me of? I went to this one church that I didn't end up going to because I went there. It was the only game in town, and it was in when I lived in Michigan. And it was this mega church attached to a, a very famous Christian college. And so this church uh, was showing their their funds that they needed and last or what they spent last year on different things, and so they wanted you to really double up and give more. And it said worship team, a hundred thousand dollars. That's what they spent on the worship, uh, which of course the worship was just a bunch of lights and sounds and and um, you know hill song music, but. But I guess they spend hundred thousand dollars on their amplifiers and their sound systems and all of that, and you know, and so that's what it costs to support the annual
1: support for their worship, eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, well, I don't know. When I when I first got saved, we went. I was living in Colorado, and we had a small church. And at first, they met in a school room, which was okay, and uh, they we didn't have all that. This, the group was up front and they had their instruments and they had a couple amplifiers. But And then the pastor got up right in front of everybody. He was a few feet away from you. So he didn't need any live screen, big screen TVs and all that. And it was cozy. So I think this whole megachurch thing probably, I think there'll always be a demand for it, but I think a lot of people don't like it. And uh, actually, they're probably sick of it to it doesn't even have anything to do with the gospel anymore. It's just all about the pastor and his vision and funding the vision and getting a bigger building and getting more people and, and getting more campuses, which to me is kind of a retarded way to refer to a church building is that they're campuses where mm-hmm. you're not really learning anything on these campuses. I guess they try to make it like it's a place of instruction, but it's gone mm-hmm. so they've gone so far off and we just need to get back to basics and to encourage people because I think so so many people are leaving these buildings and to encourage people to study the word for themselves. And this way, if, if you go into one of these places and you're listening to the sermon and you're going, well, that's not right, then <laughs> you, you know you don't really want to be there and you're you're probably better off to uh, stay home and study the word yourself or even if you wanted to have uh, a home fellowship or you wanted to do... Video Bible studies or whatever you decided you wanted to do to have that kind of fellowship without actually going to a building where you don't feel comfortable. Because what's the sense of going somewhere and they're not teaching the Word? Hmm, there's no sense at all.
2: Or if the there's the people who are going there have their different reasons to go there. I mean, I've I've known of some that go there to pick up on chicks. I mean, you know, things like that in some of these big churches. And and that that happens a lot in churches. And, you know, a good pastoral team of elders would catch that and, you know, put a stop to it. But, you know, before COVID, they would have you oh hug the person next to
4: you. Yeah. <laughs> and their
2: hand. Yeah. Who do I want to sit next to? Let's
1: see. <laughs> So. Yeah, well I don't like all that silly touchy thing anyway. Uh it's not necessary. Don't hug five five people. Tell them how beautiful you're still so oh. more beautiful this day than you were last week and and <laughs> uh but maybe uh maybe I don't wanna say that. <laughs> I maybe I don't wanna hug ten people. And yeah. So they're, well they're back to the hugging and all that and the hand holding. And, and a lot of the and even though the, this uh, pandemic hasn't really slowed down that much,
2: no. Unfortunately, I know. I mean, I've been hearing several people that you know, you, you know, they have a name on online and stuff that uh, have COVID right now, and that's you know, really bad situation.
1: Yeah, it's very bad. In fact, they're locking down the whole of Austria. I think decided to lock down, and then they were shootings somewhere. In in one of the foreign countries, the European countries, the people were protesting the vaccine mandates, and they came out and started shooting them, shooting at them. Wow. I know. And some are being. It's crazy. I
2: know in Australia, if you try to go to a restaurant or now because they said, well, we're opening up to restaurants and to entertainment venues, but only for the vaccinated. And if you try to get in and you can't prove you're vaccinated, you will be arrested. Yeah. Boy.
1: Well, the thing is, it hasn't, uh, vaccinated people are getting it as well as unvaccinated people. So, how could and you discriminate? Yeah, and they're spreading it. So, how can you discriminate against people? It's up to, it's, it should be somebody's choice, but to go and shoot people?
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah, well, it's hysteria.
1: And the whole world is just in a
2: state of, of hysteria and, and you know one group against another group, you know and this in fact this you could see by the reaction of yesterday's uh, jury um, acquitting the uh, Kyle Carl Wittenhouse, Kyle Wittenhouse Wittenhouse I can never say his name but you know the, the guy who who shot in self defense it was he was in a killer be killed situation and you've got a whole side of the Biden side. Saying, "Oh, this is a horrible, horrible thing that happened. That he was he was allowed just for vigilante justice. It's now going to be the law of the land." <laughs> Susan, did we lose you? Susan was afraid that could happen, but um, I'll just keep going until she comes back. But um, that was a terrible situation. The, the reaction from the mainstream media of poor Kyle Rittenhouse. And uh, I shared this on my Facebook page, and a lot of people, you know, one person says, well,
0: didn't you go in there with
2: a gun? Uh, But, you know, the poor young guy, so many of us are rooting for him because he's certainly in a situation of kill or be killed. And um, But, you know, one thing we were going to talk about today as far as the condition of the church is, is when a new believer has just got saved, maybe just from reading the Bible and they don't know what church to go to and they're not grounded in the word, what are they going to be faced with when they do seek out fellowship as the kinds of churches that we were just talking about? And if they're not grounded in the word, how will they know who to trust? And it's, it's, it was bad when we were saved. Susan and I were both saved in 1981, and it was difficult enough for us to know who to trust when there were so many cults out there. But now the problem isn't so much with the cult as much as it is within the so-called evangelical community. And uh, I looked at some of, the, some of the false movements within evangelicalism that they could run into. And, um, you know, they could end up going to a church that teaches the prosperity gospel. Someone might get saved and say, hey, let me go to Joel Osteen's, Osteen's church because, wow, everybody's going there. And uh, they're going to hear another gospel there, or if they go to Paula White's church, because, after all, President Trump uh, thinks that she's okay, so it's okay to follow her. And you're going to see at those places the worship of money, the ones who are, who are saying as the Church of Laodicea that I, have be- I am rich, I've become wealthy, and I have need of nothing, when they don't know that they are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, Jesus said to the Church of Laodicea. And that church is so prominent today. And, uh, of course, you've got, similar to that, the purpose-driven Christianity, you know, Rick Warren's three-legged stool. Now, he's retired in luxury, and he's got a new pastor, but he's the one that came up with this peace plan that uh, as long as they're people of goodwill, it doesn't matter what religion they are of. That we can all come together in brotherly love, and and to prove that kind of thing, he even held hands with with the homosexual musician. Um, what's his name? Um, Elton John. Boy, I started to think I was going to call him something else. Yes, and to prove that he is open to the homosexuals, and see, that's the other thing. It's um, unbelievable how many gay affirming churches now someone's looking for a church and they see on the marquee that we are all inclusive all are welcome those kinds of words that means that it's okay that we will we will affirm your homosexual relationships and all of that kind of thing and there's many churches especially in Mm -hmm. denominations like the united methodist and some of these churches that they don't want to close the door to anybody again because it comes down to the collection box. And, um, you know, then there's churches that we might call them emerging churches who teach things such as universalism and, you know, no heaven and no hell. And saying that the Bible contains the word of God, but is not inerrant and not authoritative. Just that, it, you know, you can find the word of God in there, you know, whatever speaks to you is the word of God. And the rest of it, you know, is you know is, is not authoritative. And that is a very common practice. And if Susan gets back on, I'd love for her to play this clip that I provided of, um, you know, a man by the name of Andy Stanley. Now, his father, you've probably all heard of, of, of of Charles Stanley, because he's been on TV, boy, for eon. well, his son Andy Stanley, he teaches um, that we shouldn't be paying attention pretty much to the epistles, and uh, you know, because we just should pay attention to. The resurrection, and not to the Bible, and so we'll have to play that clip when Susan comes back online.
1: I uh, I had to call in. Oh, you had to call in, so you can't even read I... the board <laughs> and, and do the clip, huh? I can do the clip. So uh, let's, okay. let's actually let's start off. Did you play anything or not? Well, I had no way
2: of playing anything from the you know from the board.
1: Okay, know, then laptop well,
2: well, board. Yeah, we'll just go
1: into playing some of these clips. Okay, uh, well, and I was and... just
2: talking about Andy Stanley,
1: if you could play that one. Yeah. Let me try to get it up here. Yeah, technology. Oh, dear. Honest. You never know what's going to happen.
2: <laughs> well, that makes life interesting. of
1: surprises. Yes. Anyway, I'm just waiting for this thing to uh, bring up that clip. Andy Stanley. And uh, for some hey. reason, I can't see, oh. see the direct direct connect. So I have to call in. And I'm on speakerphone, so I don't know how, how this is going to sound. But <laughs> we'll try to get through this. If not, we just have to redo it. If it's um, not going to sound good when I go back to listen to – here it is. Okay, here's Andy okay.
2: Stanley. At Dallas Theological Seminary Chapel.
5: Our speaker today is Dr. Pastor Reverend
4: <laughs>
6: Boxman Andy Stanley.
4: Um, and so my purpose today – is to inspire you and to try to convince you in your preaching and your teaching and your writing to tether the faith of the next generation and maybe some of this generation. To tether the faith, and that's the phrase I want you to hang on to. To tether the faith of this generation and the next to the event of the resurrection rather than the inspiration, infallibility, or the authority of the Bible. Oh, good, no lightning. Um and the, uh, it's an assumption that I was raised on, and it's an assumption that most of you were raised on. In fact, when I state this, the assumption, part of your brain will go, well, that can't be true, and part of you will feel nervous that I'm saying it's not true. And the assumption is simply this, that the Bible is the foundation of the Christian faith. And as the Bible goes, so goes Christianity. Now, of course, I know you know this, but I just want this to, wait to settle in on you. That every single student, every single person in your church can find out what else is in the Bible and what do I mean by what else, all the parts you don't preach and teach about and the parts you won't preach and teach about because you can't find any application there. You're never going to get there. And if you go verse by verse through the Bible, you know, you, you'll, you'll never make it to Jesus. It's like, where's Jesus? We'll get there. Four years from now, we'll, we'll get there. So anyway, the point, the point being, this assumption is what I want to focus your attention on. This assumption is absolutely false. And once you surface it and look at it, it's clearly false. But I'm telling you, it hovers. It hovers in the conscience and the thinking of just about every single Christian. And skeptics have been placing, you know, teeing off of that for generations. Once upon a time, who cares? Who's going to read a 300-page book by an atheist? Basically nobody. But those once upon a time days are over. And how has the church responded? Skinny jeans and moving lights. I mean, come on. We got them, right? I mean, have you seen our light show? I mean, have you heard our band? Have you seen? Our, I mean, I mean, Hillsong's pretty good. Have you heard our music? I mean, have you seen our preacher? He's so cool. You know, I've got you know strategically placed tattoo. I mean, I mean, the world's coming to Christ now. I mean, we we got it going on, right? We've done nothing. The ch- the church has not adjusted at all. We still preach and teach as if, if the Bible says it, that settles it. And if the Bible says it, that settles it. For most of us, maybe for everybody in this room. But that is an assumption we can we not only have to abandon it, we have to decide where we're gonna place our faith and where the, the you know the fertile soil of ministry. And I'm telling you, it's not anything new. It's what the first century Christians knew all along. I mean, come on, there wasn't a the Bible the way we think of it for four hundred years. And nobody owned one for hundreds of years after that, right? So
2: what do you, think? you know, here's the thing. He's 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 trashing the Bible, but you need the Bible to even know about the resurrection, <laughs> and and so he's saying, well, yeah, we can listen to you know Matthew and them what they talk about the resurrection, and that's as far as he wants to go. That is as far as he wants to go with the Christian faith, and he says that atheists that that will question the the Bible is going to put you in a bad spot because you're not going to defend be able to defend any of the other scriptures, other than, you know, pretty much the red letters.
1: Yeah. And, um, and so he's- he sounds, really right he, he, sounds, he sounds very confused. He sounds very confused.
2: Yeah, well, he's, he's ignorant because he doesn't know how to defend the rest of the scriptures. We can defend the rest of the scriptures. We can also see Jesus in, in the rest of the scriptures. They all point to Jesus, but he thinks it's yeah. only, it's only the red letters that do. And of course, you know he might have been influenced by the likes of Tony Campolo who started you know the red the red letter Christians and and it was for the same purpose the the red letter Christians they they are there to be able to um, or their purpose is only the red letters of Jesus speaking is worth considering and so if you even go to redletterchristians.org you'll see what they say about it but um Let's, I'll just read one statement that they make about themselves. We believe that the best corrective for what's gone wrong in white evangelicalism is Jesus. And, what? Yeah, he's, and then they're saying, it was Frederick Douglass who once said, between the Christianity of this land and the Christianity of Christ, I recognize the widest possible difference. And when we take our eyes off Jesus, we end up talking about a lot of things Jesus didn't talk about and don't talk about the things Jesus talked a whole lot about, like the 2,000 verses of the Bible that speak of justice, concern for the poor, and the liberation for the oppressed. We want a Christianity that looks like Jesus again. Uh, and we know the best, the best critique of what's wrong with the practice is something better. We call it Red Letter Christianity. Because many Bibles have the words of Jesus Jesus in red letters and blah, blah, blah. And this is a turbulent age of the season of the church. And we believe we are poised for revival, for another great awakening, for a new reformation in the church. And if we just stick with the red letters, right? And uh, he he says, it's clear that some of the loudest voices of Christianity have not been the most beautiful voices. And some of the most beautiful voices haven't had the amplification they deserve. The way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. Okay? So no more no more Peter, no more Paul, no more John, uh, no more James or Jude. And that's because, you know, it's only the Jesus words that appeal to anybody. And this is how they're turning, turning, um, you know, Jesus around so that you can accept the LGBTQ people because, you know, Jesus never said anything against homosexuality, they claim. Oh, and yeah, so yeah, that See, and so that's really how Tony Campolo started with this because his wife was involved in the so-called evangelical um, evangelical gay movement, if there is such a thing. I know it's a contradiction in terms.
4: But yeah. that
2: that's what got this thing started, and uh, Andy Stanley num- took it whole. You know, not only he not only is it the he he goes further. He doesn't just care about the red letters. He only cares about the, the resurrection of Jesus, and that's certainly that's important. But uh, but he dumps everything else, everything else, so that it can just inc- you know. Um, it can appeal to the biggest whitest margin. Well, that's and it.
1: That's, that's what they want. They want to be inclusive, right? And, and don't offend to, anybody. Yeah.
2: And can you believe now that was that was the the retired president of of um, Dallas Theological Seminary who introduced him at that chapel, um, and that was Mark. Mark Bailey, who used to be, you know, pretty good Bible prophecy teacher and hung around with the likes of, you know, Mark Hitchcock, Tommy Ice and uh, Ed Hindson, some of those Dallas people that are very popular at the prophecy conferences. He was, you know, one of those guys. And so, but you see, to appeal to the young people then you have to, um, you know, you have to, to give the young people what they want to hear. And that's what kind of stuff you're gonna get in churches now that and if anyone graduated in the last twenty years from since since the turn of the century from any seminary in our country, they're going to be tainted. And and, and that's pathetic. But that's just the way it is. And I you know looked at the best of them. One of the worst things I saw when I was kind of looking looking into this was, you know, Viola Talbot. In California, La Mirada, which is where, you know, a lot of uh, Southern California trains their their pastors. Now, you could go to Master's Seminary, which is John MacArthur's church, but there you're going to get a lot of, uh, you know, no Holy Spirit. And, you're going well, to get,
1: yeah, and he's a Calvinist.
2: Cal, you're right. So they go to, so they, and then Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, well, there you're going to get, like what you said, the church growth stuff. And, of of course, every heresy in the world. Well, I was looking up on some of these, but after I was seeing Dallas Theological Seminary has their, um, you know, their so-called spiritual formation courses, which teaches mysticism, Western mysticism, as they want to differentiate that from Eastern mysticism, but six of one, half dozen of the other. (laughs) I looked at Talbot. And they they gave more information. You have to you have to be able to log in to Dallas Theological center to see anything. But if you go to Viola, um, you know, and Talbot, you'll see their they have masters and doctorates in in like spiritual development. Which is here's one of their here's a here's a, here's to get a degree in that. You have to take this class called development. Developmental Spirituality and Contemplative Prayer. And it has this little description of that class. An exploration of the various stages of growth involved in the believer's journey, employing both experiential and biblical data. Particular focus is given to St. John of the Cross. who what? developed, Yeah. Who developed perhaps explored spirituality through church history. This course introduces the student to the various traditions of spirituality, contemplative, holiness, word, word faith, charismatic, social reform, and their historical theoretical roots, Orthodox, Roman Catholic, reforms, Lutheran. Attention is given to appreciation, evaluation, and critique. Various experiential projects are designed to facilitate understanding, appreciation, and personal growth with respect to these traditions. Well, now, can you believe that is at a so-called
1: evangelical seminary?
2: No. It sounds,
1: like a, it sounds like some kind of New Age mumble-jumble.
2: Oh, just if you just kind of even looking through all of these at Talbot, if you go to their webpage look under academics and look under the courses for Master of Divinity and Spiritual Formation, that's the kind of stuff you're going to get. And this is
1: where the pastors are coming from. Well, some of the pastors, but anyway, whatever happens, it's just reading the Bible. Uh, if you were going to go to seminary, it, the best kind of seminary you could go to was where they just started at Genesis and they went all the way through to Revelation. Teach you the word. What more do you need? <laughs> I know. Well, this
2: stuff crept in a lot. I know that in the 90s, I, I attended Philadelphia College of Bible, which is associated with Dallas, actually, Theological Seminary. But we took classes on angeology and demonology, you know, to understand those things and, um, you know, church history. With the yeah, history church history Yeah. Perspective of it. And, yeah. um, you, know, you know, a study of, of creation. And things
1: like that. I mean, you know, you 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 came out of there knowing the Bible. <laughs> that's, well, that should be the point. That should be why why waste your time going to get a degree in theology or divinity or whatever, and you don't know anything about the Bible. What's the use? You yes, know about you social see, justice. And, this is ridiculous. Being count uh, contempl- uh con whatever it is that prayer. Contemplative. Yeah, contemplative prayer.
2: It doesn't make any sense. it's making your mind a blank. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Meditation. You need, you need yeah. Just, yeah. Meditation to make yourself a blank and see if anything speaks to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think yeah. something would would speak to you definitely, but it it might not be the Holy Spirit. We have enough of that going on with uh, people going to heaven and they're seeing angels and they're going to hell and. They're coming back, and they're they're giving you their testimonies. I I don't know. Doesn't the Bible say once you go to hell, you're not coming back? Yeah,
2: I think it sure does. I think. Yeah, uh, so how uh, do you go guy... there
1: and you come back? I don't understand.
2: <laughs> no, and and it's it's just that because of the way that pastors are being educated, that's why we're seeing so many churches that are placating what the people want to hear because that's what they're really studying it's like you know the church yeah but
1: it's, it's ridiculous though because when we got saved what did we have we had the word and this was back in the 1981 i didn't want anything else i was all i wanted was the word I was crazy about reading the Bible, so why do they think that you can't reach young people with the bible you You have to give people what they want. What do people really want? They really want Jesus, they really want peace, they really want joy, they want fellowship, then they want the word they want to know because Jesus said, "I am the bread of life. so what are they doing they're not they're not lifting up Jesus. You know, Jesus says, doesn't you make know, lift
2: them up. Uh, he'll, he'll draw all men to himself. He'll draw all men
1: up. unto me. That's right. He'll draw all men unto me. Yes, he will, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of um, earthly. The Bible talks about being earthly and sensual. And then it appeals to people's greed and to their lust that they have these degrees and a lot of these people that have all these degrees they don't they don't know Jesus, they don't know the Word, and they're trying to figure out something that's so simple because the gospel is simple, salvation is simple. you don't need a ten hour course in how to get saved or uh no yeah no, they've made no, everything but, difficult, try to make it more difficult for people except well,
2: the they're Lord. They're shipwrecking.
1: The exactly. Tentacies. Exactly. Instead, shipwrecking. And they need to be silenced.
2: Only that time is long past where they can be silenced because they are louder than the true voices. They drum. Yeah, out. They There's more of
1: them than there are of us. Definitely. Right. And uh, I, that's, that's just the way it's going to be from uh, in these end times that we're in. We're seeing the same thing with the political world where are we're seeing the things that we've known for so many years collapse and uh, the power grabs and to try to do a reset. And it's the same thing in the church. There's such a parallel because they're, they're doing the same thing with trying to reset the, the foundations. And the Bible talks about that, right? If the foundations be destroyed. And so they're just trying to destroy the foundations. And uh, when it's just so simple, any any new believer when they first fall in love with Jesus, they're just so in love with Jesus. And the Bible talks about that too, about our, don't leave your first love. Remember how it was. And they they seem to want to rob that joy from people, and then to regiment everything instead of just making it simple and teaching he, people. What, is, what
2: does a new believer do who isn't grounded in the Word and wants to know the Word and? And then you know they're going to their local church, and they're not getting the word. They're getting maybe motivational
1: speeches, or <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, you're you're great, and you, and you have you're a world shaker and a history maker, mm-hmm. and and you can't live up to that reputation. Trust me, because we're not all that going somewhere to happen, and uh, <laughs> we're <laughs> we're only human. So you can't, you, yeah, you you can't uh, get a young believer to grow by flattering them and giving mm-hmm. them all these great expectations. We live every day. We live our lives every day, and we try to get through the day. And uh, then we're going into the next day and trying to get through that day with everything that's going on in the world, never mind trying to be a history maker and a world shaker and whatever and you're you're just trying to just trying to get your husband to love you or uh, your children yeah. to respect you. And so <laughs> that's the world of most people is their family. And so uh then if they're if they're going to do something for the Lord or they're going out to work or whatever, that's their world. But simple gospel is always the best and to teach people to be whole and Okay, God could give you a vision for something that he wants you to do for your life. But don't try to put great in it where it's going to make you great. Yeah, nobody now is talking
2: about, they're all now talking about this great awakening that
1: you know yeah, yeah 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 and they're all <laughs> sleeping they're all sleeping the ones that are yeah. talking and <laughs> yeah, they won't wake up <laughs> yeah they yeah. they're slumbering they're yeah well yeah we need a great awakening to get people back to the bible and to simple yeah. faith in Jesus Christ and put lifting him up and putting him le- let him be on the throne of our right. lives and we we can't be on the throne because we're going to fall off. And so <laughs> it's, it's, it's better uh, just to make it simple. And if there are new believers out there and new believers that are listening to the program, you say, okay, well, what do I go? What do I do? What do, I do? You, have the, you have a Bible. Everybody's got a Bible. Read it. And you'll grow. You'll see how fast you'll start growing in the things of the Lord and maturing as you read the word yourself. And if you can't find somewhere to go, then there's good teachers online that you can look for and find somebody that you feel is straight, on the straight and narrow, just like you are. You'll be okay, and you can have fellowship with your friends uh, if you can't get out to a place where you can meet. You can have fellowship with your friends on the phone, or you can do the video chats or whatever. There's other ways to have fellowship. Then going, sometimes if you go to some of these churches, like we've been talking about, if you go in there and you start talking, it's like they're looking at you like you're an alien from another planet. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, That's (laughs) true. They
2: don't get what you're saying. (laughs) And, And then you've got the churches who are merging religion and politics.
1: Yeah, and, um, well, that's that's know. it. That's, we'll we'll uh, go into that now. Let's. I'm going to play some of these here. Let's play this clip of uh, General Flynn. Now they had this big rally over there at Hagee's church. Although I don't think Hagee was there, was he? I no, think his he son was. was. Matt oh, Hage. his son was there. And and in the promos
2: um, of this of this event, they did use John Hagee's likeness, his picture in the corner. Yeah, they did to promote yeah. it.
1: Okay. And it was held at Cornerstone Church. Right, in uh, San Antonio, right. In San Antonio, yeah. So here's, here's one of the speakers there, now General Flynn. This is a shocking statement.
5: And, he, and they're talking about the United States of America. Talking about the United States of America, because when Matthew mentioned it in the Bible, he wasn't talking about the physical ground that he was on. He was talking about something in the distance. So if we are going to have one nation under God, which we must, we have to have one religion, one 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 nation under God, and one religion under God, right? All of us together, working together. I know, and they're talking about the United States of America.
1: Talking. Oh, that was a shocking statement. One religion.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, the religion, Americana. <laughs> you know, I think they they put put Uncle
1: Sam on the on the on the throne. Yeah, that's what that's what it sounded like. One nation under God, and one religion. I don't think so. That sounds like one world government to me. Now, yeah, this is the this is what the speakers were saying. Of course, John Hagee. Uh, so they say now that he didn't sponsor this program, this event. They were merely renting his church. But mm-hmm. here's Alex Jones. Now, this is a great example of so-called Christianity, right? He was also one of the speakers. Here's Alex Jones now our speaker today is doctor no matter how
5: much the globalists attack us no matter how much they demonize us how many names they call us we're going to win in the end ladies and gentlemen because god is real <laughs> jesus christ his son that god sent to save us from our sins is real and that's why the devil's reign on this planet is coming to an end
0: So we live
5: in very, very dangerous, serious, and in many cases depressing times, but that's because prophecy has to be fulfilled. We are literally seeing the book of Revelations begin to come true right in front of us, and this is the most important time in human history since Christ walked the earth. There's a beginning of the earth, there's Christ, and then there's Christ's return, ladies and gentlemen, and the devil... The Bible says, sends the beast with wrath because he knows the time is short. And the devil and their system, and Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and their pathetic minions like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, and all of them know that they chose the loser. They chose Satan. And they are going to fail. Because God wins. <laughs>
2: Oh, that man, not much of a theologian is he, <laughs> especially when someone refers to the book of Revelation as Revelations,
1: uh, they probably haven't read it. <laughs> well, he he knows the terminology enough to act yeah. like he's a Christian. He's, Alex Jones is not a Christian. I'm sorry. Oh, no, he but has
2: he... New Agers. He goes along with all the New Age contemplative stuff and every anything. He goes along with all of it. It doesn't matter. You know, he's had he's had Rodney Howard Brown several times on his show. He used to have the famous anti semite, the late Tech Mars. Yeah, Tech Mars. Yeah. I mean, you know, he he doesn't differentiate one Christianity from you know from another. I mean, it's all you know. We're all in this together, and we're gonna yeah, yeah. we're gonna defeat the devil. We're gonna well,
1: save America. We're going to save America. No, you're not going to save America. Right. No, you
2: know, Jesus comes back. You know, the one's trying to save the planet are the ones losing in the end, and Jesus comes back and has to step in. So,
1: you know. Well, uh, how do you save something? No, how do you save something? I want to hear them saying, we're going to stop experimenting on murdered babies We're going to stop using their parts to make medicine. I want to hear them talking like that. You're going to save America? You're not going to save it if you don't stop. If the government doesn't stop doing what they're doing to these children, it's not going to stop. You're not saving anything. So we're already in uh, a form of judgment and none of us like it. None of us like it at all, but what can you do? How do you save? Why would you want to save anything like that? It's an abomination. Yeah. And that's what I want to hear. I want to hear what you're going to do about the most important issue, I think, of our day is the killing of these children and then using their parts to make medicines and then giving the medicines to citizens.
2: Well, you know, when you bring this politi- these political rallies into the church, you know, what you're inadvertently doing is, is what, the, what other people who even share in your right-wing theology, but they're not believers, they're going to see you as a bunch of crusaders that, you know, that, that are going to come after you if you don't go along with them. And so you're really, you're not unifying people by doing this. You know, may, you might be unifying some professing Christians, but but you're discounting everybody else that might be in your voting block by not including them or by making them suspicious of what you're up to when you're saying the yeah. church is going to take over the church is going to do that. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, not exactly. the kind of talk that, you know, that a right wing conservative and,
1: unbeliever and, you know, um, wants to hear. They don't want to hear the church wonder. is going to take over the government. No, Jesus right. has his own government. Jesus has his own government.
0: Yeah, and, and, and so no, we're not taking over. The,
1: they're shooting
2: themselves in the foot because they're losing, they're losing conservatives who don't go along with their religious agenda, and um, and and that actually kind of divides the, you know, the, the party for that that is against. Abortion
1: and things like that is well. well they say, say they're it. against abortion. They say they're against it, but they don't do anything about it. How do you have? How do you say you're against abortion, and then you have the National Institute of Health in 2018 taking scalps from aborted babies and putting them on mice for experiments? No, they can talk all they want, but it's <laughs> empty words as far as I'm concerned. Empty words. So. They, talk, they say, oh, yeah, we're pro-life. Well, that's not pro-life. Pro-life, as you said. We're banning, banning all that. The Great
2: Awakening that they were promoting, because they were saying, we're not doing the Great Reset. We're doing the Great Awakening. Well, all that does is saying that we're going to have a holy war. They're calling for a civil war and, and stuff like that. And, um, and it's making the divide even worse in, in, in Americana. With Americans is to say, well, if, well, if you're on the right hand, if you're on the right as far as conservative ideas, then you're you're part of, you know, you're the greys and we're the blues and we're all going to clash. Yeah, and
1: yeah, yeah. So yeah, because you have to be if you're going to have uh, these uh, political rallies, you have to include everybody. You can't say, well, you can't come because you're not, you don't have our Bible beliefs. And yeah that's not what makes up a country as far as the secular country well if you're in a church you then you have a right to to say things about the lord and whatever but you can't expect everybody in the whole country to have the same beliefs you do and uh yeah so yeah it's it is a great divide and it really does divide people when uh they use different these different type of rhetorics so i agree but let's listen here uh the uh Mario Marillo now this is somebody you know about oh mm-hmm. let let me play this one clip first. this Willis, and then you can oh, talk yeah. about this This the was another again, speaker it. he was another speaker at this event. yeah, you spoke there that's from that's from the event, okay, well, listen to this guy here at Cornerstone.
6: One of the more viral videos that went out during when when Covid first started. Was Plandemic made by Mickey Willis? And that will, that video I would say was sent to us maybe more than any other video I've seen online. Guys got to check this out. You guys I well check this out. but they didn't know who it was. Oh, no, exactly. And the thing that we kept warning about from the get go was Mickey Willis is a new ager and he will get into the churches. Yeah. He will get into the churches. And he was. Once the pandemic film goes viral and everyone starts warning about it, he will get into the churches. Well, here's a clip of him in
4: the churches. At this event that we talked about. <laughs> yeah.
5: We want to send a vibration or resonance out to the planet that the children can feel all over the world. And we follow ourselves, our instincts, and God. Today is 11-11, a sacred number synonymous with the powers of heaven. This is the moment you were born for, so rise up, lift your voice, and be seen. Dear Tyrants, just one more thing. We the people have rebranded your agenda. The Great Reset is now the Great Awakening.
2: (laughs) Now that was the intro, was Chad Davidson and Joe Schimmel on Good Fight Ministries. You could find their entire uh, expose of this event. On uh, YouTube, just look up good fight ministries and, you know, yeah they 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 really nailed it because i didn't know that that guy was part of pandemic until they they pointed that out
1: well, it sounds like the harmonic convergence that they had years ago in Aspen when John Denver had this harmonic <laughs> convergence, and that's just that like what what was this guy doing there yeah, well
2: he's trying to you know, bring in the new age. I mean, the guy's a new ager, and everybody has yeah. to be in harmonic convergence in order to yeah, make it so all happen. so Matt,
1: Matt Hagee was there during this. Yeah, yeah. Matt Hagee, the so-called pastor of this Cornerstone Church. Yeah, he was participating. Here is and now. Here is one guy that was blowing the show far. Let's see now. This is what the show far can do for you.
3: Praise God. All glory be to God. We're honored to be here. The shofar in the Word of God. Some of the greatest miracles that happened and victories in God's Word surrounded the shofar. So when the shofar was blown, the walls of Jericho fell. When the shofar was blown, Gideon and an army of 300 men defeated over 147,000 Midianites. It's an announcement. To the enemy that his stronghold is about to fall. Demons tremble at the sound of the shofar.
0: They tremble.
3: It's a sound that goes up to the throne of God. It's a sound God recognizes when his people blow it. It's yeah. a sound that brings victory. You know, the word of God says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not man-made but they're mighty through God to the pulling down and destruction of strongholds. And that sound is a weapon of our warfare that is not carnal. It releases a power in the spirit that no man, no entity, no leader, no man-made structure, not even Pharaoh, the superpower of Egypt, could withstand. Praise God. And this is why we blow it now. Because it's, When we blow it, God responds. An anointing is released, and the power (laughs) of God in full force comes into that situation. And that's exactly what's going to happen here over the next few days. Praise the Lord. Uh, Praise God. Jackie. All glory be to God.
1: Did you know that demons tremble when they hear the shofar? Oh, I don't know, because well, I don't think they use that much
2: anymore. <laughs> what about
3: when they hear the saxophone? What do they do?
1: <laughs> the, you know, I think the, the saxophone's got to be a demonic And it gets instrument God's there. attention when you blow the so far. I didn't know that. Well, again,
2: it's, it's, see, it's the call to war. That's what they're getting at. You know, it's their holy war. And, um, you know. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. This, this is not. This isn't the whole wrong focus as far as Christianity goes, and uh, and there in this group, even though whether they just rented the facility and used John Adee's name, they're still all trying to bring ecumenical unity of everybody that even is in any sort of religion that um, you know that can go along with this or that has that kind of belief that they can overcome with, um, you know, with the weapons of their warfare.
1: Oh, yeah, the (laughs) shofar. It's a weapon of warfare. That's it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, keep these political rallies out of churches, I would say, because you you never know what they're going to say. And then they even had the Let's Go Brandon chant over there. So, yeah. uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. But anyway, if you if you uh, some of the listeners wanted to actually see this event, it is online. I think that they did put it up, or they put up some of these videos from some of these speakers. But it's quite shocking, really. But you can see how this all, this whole thing is coming together to merge uh, religion and politics, and it really, it's a snare. It really is, but here's here's a friend of yours, Jackie, Mario Marillo. Let's hear. <laughs> this. Friend. Yeah,
6: good. <laughs> to God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. There's so many people I want to thank for this open door. Tonight, I am preaching a sermon that I believe is possibly the most important I've ever preached in my life. But I can't preach it until we do something. I want you to stand up right now. Do you feel something in this room? Is anybody? There's a miracle-working anointing right now. There's a power from heaven. The devil cannot have America. I'm going to say it again. Satan, you cannot have America. The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. And then it says, shout. And I want you to hold that shout for a second. Unto God with a voice of triumph. When Moses came off the mountain, listen very carefully. He heard the noise down in the, in the plains when Israel had defiled himself. And Joshua said, it sounds like people that are at war. He said, they're not at war, they're playing. That's not the sound of war, it's the sound of playing. Today it is my sworn duty to end the American Christian era of playing games. And for us to find the shout of war. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout! Shout! Yeah. Yeah. Gee.
2: Well, Mario, you know, they say some people kind of start out okay and then they get seduced into the weird stuff to get. Well, in, back when I was. Familiar with his ministry, put it that way. In the 80s, he his friends his his pastor was Jack Hayford, and oh. and he was friends with people like Mickey Cruz and and David Wilkerson, and then he started getting in with unfortunately with Gary Greenwald, and oh, Gary yeah. Greenwald introduced him to Bill Hammond. Oh. And as I like to put it. And then he started getting in with these false prophets and, and so he it was it was whoever gave him a platform is who Yeah, he, exactly.
0: Yeah.
2: A chameleon. You know, he, he became them because they gave him a platform and you know, and now his platform is places like Bethel, you know, with Bill Johnson or down in Pasadena. Kenneth Copeland J, J. on.
1: Possibly I hadn't seen that. He's on he's platform. on his network. Oh, is he? Okay. I'm he's been on lately with on the Kenneth Copeland's Victory okay, Network. Okay, that, yeah. that
2: surprise me. He goes from yeah. bad to worse.
1: Yeah. And
2: and it's unfortunate because he goes wherever he can get a voice, and I think he's just so full of himself that he wants everybody to worship him. I mean, to, to, get, to lead everybody in applause and a shout, you know,
1: I, I think he feels like he's on the receiving end of that. <laughs> You
2: know? Well, yeah, well, when
1: he first comes up there and they're applauding, he says, oh, let's applaud for the Lord. They, nah, they don't care about you applauding for the Lord. But, yeah, let's. The, here he goes. Now, you're talking about this, but here he goes, and he's he's at Andrew Walmax, and here's what he says there.
6: We're going to get busy. Who is adequate for a moment like this? I'm standing in the pulpit of Andrew Womick, and I'm gonna try to preach. That's like challenging Betty Crocker to a bake-off. How many of you love this man of God? Would you clap? To say it is an honor to be here When I teach a class on preaching, one of the things I tell young students is don't use any cliches in your sermon. Check for cliches. And don't say things like, it's an honor to be here. Because everybody says that. When you use a cliche, the danger is that your audience is going to say, this guy is going to say only stuff I've ever heard before. So it is quite an honor for me to be here. Because distinctly, this is one of the most important Christian properties in the world. How many of you believe that? And why not the devil's worst nightmare come out of this sermon tonight? Why not? You know, after I was sitting right over here watching this astonishing production... And I'm going, give me a massive break. I'm going to go up there after that. I said, I'm going to go over like a pregnant pole vaulter. (laughs) How many of you know you can't unsee that, can you? Uh, So I searched. My wife, who I'd like to introduce to you, Michelle Murillo, a, a powerful woman of God. I'm, I'm in love with my wife. Would you stand, dear? Would you greet Michelle Murillo right now? Thank you. I wanted to know the verse that the Lord had put on my heart for tonight. And I'm going to warn you what the title is in a moment. It was Psalm 11:3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? In that question, there is no mention of should the righteous do something. There's no reference to the choice. Something has to be done. American Christianity has faltered more on one point than any other. She has been slow... To action and slow to understand her duty in the crisis that she's in. How could we have expected millions of Christians to vote right when we banned the Bible from our pulpits? I mean, if you know, I'm just going to say it like it is. That's all there is, too. Because that's what this pulpit is used to. What can we do? What should we do? It is important when you preach a sermon, look me in the eye, that you know that you heard from God. We don't need speculation. We certainly don't need someone up here to wordsmith or come up with some ideas that will move you. We need truth. We need unvarnished truth from heaven. For that truth to come through the voice, the man has to die to self. The woman has to die to self. They have to die to their opinion. They have to die to their need for their reputation. Recently, I was called a celebrity. I've never been so insulted in my life. Especially as hard as I have worked not to be one. But I looked at them and I said this. The gift of celebrity is a line of credit to be exhausted in the act of telling the truth. If you look at Christ, he would speak and the crowds would swell. Then he would drop a truth bomb and the herd would be thinned. The curse of our era is that American preachers are fighting to expand and sustain their celebrity. When they should be sacrificing everything in order to spare America the insanity of the Democratic Party. Can you believe
2: that? <laughs> well, you know that that non-celebrity was a regular on TBN. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the non celebrities over there on the Victory ne- network, network with, you know, you have to spare, the Christians have to spare people from the Democratic Party.
0: Mm.
1: Well, they're confusing it all, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Everything is It's yeah, totally
2: yeah. confusing, yeah. you know, what all this Americana has
1: to do with the Bible. <laughs> well, yeah, about saving souls. Like, I thought we were supposed to be saving souls from hell, not yeah, from the I, Democratic I, Party. And I thought we were ambassadors of the kingdom
2: to come. Of the kingdom, not, yeah. Not not ambassadors of uh, Donald Trump or the Republican Party. And, you know, but, but this is just um, becoming more popular now. And I think Jack Hibbs did a lot of harm. In bringing a lot of the, you know, the, the so-called political right, you know, politicians in to speak from the pulpit on Sunday morning, or whatever, and um, and then you know he had to overlook the the, the sins of Paula White in order to get step foot into the White House when Trump yeah. was president, and so these things when you start loving the world and being part of the world, and all your eggs are in that basket then and then you just you know ta- let Jesus tag along that's not a calling yeah. from
1: God okay yeah that's a good way to put it let Jesus tag along yeah he's not up the devil's center. not going to have America i got news for you the, the devil already has america so <laughs> <That's> absolutely true <laughs> how is the devil's not going to have America I didn't think that we were supposed to be saving this kingdom. No, we're supposed to. That's why we're lights in this
2: darkness, because this, uh, this world hated him. They're going to hate us. And so when you're trying to get the love of the world, the love of God isn't in
1: you. No, it's not in you. We're, we're supposed to help these people to know Jesus Christ and not fight against them politically in that way, because you're not going to win them by fighting and arguing with them.
2: No, you can't argue anybody into heaven. No.
1: <laughs> and so but, you know, we have we have our work yeah. cut out for us, but notice how he flatters Andrew Walmack one of the biggest yeah. heretics going.
2: I know. I know. But again, they
1: have to they see
2: safety in numbers, and so that's where this whole ecumenical thing came in. And of course, the ones that they're all joining with, they'll lead you directly to Pope Francis, who, uh, yeah. you know, and then he'll lead you to Pacamama, <laughs> you
1: know, so, <laughs> or whatever, or whatever. Anyway, we have, we have five minutes left on the live broadcast, but I want to go over. So I want, because we're going to edit out that one part where I lost the connection. Okay, so listeners who are listening live, we only have five minutes left on the live feed, but we're going to go over Jackie and I and finish the program so we can edit out the bad sound and losing the sound and whatever. So we're going to continue our discussion here for for a few minutes, Jackie. But let me play yes. this last clip here from Mario. It's about three minutes. <laughs>
6: The title of tonight's sermon, which is vague and apologetic, Your Christian Duty to Destroy Wokeness. This uh, little book called Born for Battle, written by Arthur Matthew years ago, he, he wrote, why did I write this book, Born for Battle? We don't need to get into the book, and I'm only going to re- reference it for a little while. Thirty years ago, he said, My burden relates to the flood of evil that the devil is pouring into the world. And at the same time, the passivity of many of God's saints as they view this state of affairs. And their ignorance... ...of the part God expects them to play in this warfare against Satan. That is part and parcel of what I'm going to present to you tonight. And I'm going to beg your patience. Because we have gotten used to the 12-minute express sermon... ...that gives us nothing. That you get in the church in a golf cart, go past the coffee station... To look at a preacher with big screen, skinny jeans, and fog machines, and you don't come out with anything from God, you come out with an immunity to God. Now, I'm not going to destroy conviction, I'm going to enhance it. I'm going to make you good and mad. I want you to become the devil's worst nightmare. I want you to look at yourself and say, the day of my compromise, my apathy, and my confusion about what God wants me to do, about what's going on in America, it dies today. Today I'm a soldier. Today I'm a warrior. Somebody help me right now. Today I'm going to become Satan's worst nightmare. How many of you want to be that? What is the part that God expects us to play? One day, David listed the weapons of Israel. In the Chronicles, it was listed. And it talked about each tribe and what their expertise in military battle was. Some that were good with chariots and spears and sword, others with other strengths. Then it got to the sons of Issachar and described the weapon. Men who knew the times and what Israel should do. I'm going to put all my currency on the table. I'm going to sacrifice any kind of favor I may have with you to tell you that it is the sworn duty of every born-again Christian now to oppose transgenderism, abortion, and wokeness in the United States. And-
1: yeah, he's, he's going to preach out of compromise. Mario Marillo. <laughs> Mario, Mario. Didn't they, isn't they make a
2: game about him? <laughs> yeah you know, they made
1: it they have a game, but I don't think it's about him.
2: well, you know it, again, he
3: is just
2: I really think I know he's he's got a friendship with Lance Walnow, and I really think Lance is, is the one he's really looking up to. And uh, you know, if people want to look him up on YouTube, you can see that this is this whole thing as far as starting the Civil War you know, against the left, you know, the right versus left, he's yeah. one that really, really pushes that stuff, but that's far part uh, of his seven mountain mandate that yeah. he wrote the book on, and um, because they, they have this false eschatology that they are going to take over, you know, the seven spheres of influence in the world, and they're going to, you know, win it all back before Jesus can come, and... Yeah. Um, And so he's, again, he was taught by C. Peter Wagner, who, along with John Wimber, really started those, popularized those ideas, the ideas of dominionism and that, you know, we are the ones that have to rule over other people. And uh, they based that on the Genesis account of Jesus, you know, having Adam name all the animals and take dominion of them. Well. We may have dominion over animals, but we don't have dominion over one another. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, the greatest of you will be the servant of many.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They they uh, they preach another gospel, and they preach another Jesus. And, uh, Marielle, if you happen to listen to this program, uh, it's kind of hard to listen to talk about bringing people out of compromise when you've compromised yourself and sold yourself out to another gospel and uh, this whole political thing that they're doing to try that's to save the, America thing.
2: you know mario got saved in the jesus movement he was he's one of those long-haired guys yes. and he yeah and he was the evangelist on campus at at the uh, UC Berkeley and um during the jesus movement oh. a lot of people Got saved through his ministry, and and yeah, he can like preach. He can preach, yeah. Oh yeah, and that's the sad part of it is that yeah, he's very know, he talented. Goes, yeah, goes along to get along.
1: And yeah, and, it, that's very sad because he doesn't have to do that. He's no, he's uh, got plenty of charisma on his own, and he knows the word. Yes, some of it. Yeah. doesn't know all of it. So yeah, he does He didn't need to compromise. No, but but he's lapsed and it's affected his preaching ability. Yeah, it's affected.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, in my opinion.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, obviously he's off focus because he's he's not uh, putting his evangelism in the right direction. We're uh, we're here to build the kingdom of God, and of course, we have to pray for the people in power and and if people want to run for office or whatever they want to do at, uh vote or whatever they want to do well that's fine too but it uh the government is not godly in no way shape or form there might be some godly people that are there but mm-hmm. earthly government
2: I mean I'm glad that there's Oh yeah more. I wish there'd be more godly people that were that were uh leading this country And because you know, I. But you can't make that a a. You've got to believe in our ecumenical goals in order to you know vote for your candidate because you discount so many people that you yeah you alienate people. That's right. When you alienate people because they don't want to be part of your holy war, then then you it it works against you, and then less less godly people will end up in power where they can do Well that's good. what's happening.
1: Of course we 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 see that happening. Because you can't real. you have to there's there's civil rights in this country and you can't make them religious rights. You can't force right. people Yeah. That's not what the yeah. not what the constitution or the, the uh the whole basis of forming this country was all about. So yeah. Yeah, because it hurts your whole political feel. you know,
2: your whole political positions It's going to hurt that, but it also hurts your faithfulness to Jesus Christ because you lower the lower lowest bottom denominator in order to join in prayer and and get all yes. into God with yes. all of these false teachers and and uh, really enemies of the cross of Christ
3: to people yeah. like
2: that that pandemic man who wanted yeah, to yeah, you know, yeah. let's get to God by changing our vibration,
1: you know, yeah. Good,
2: yeah. good, good,
1: good vibrations. <laughs> so what were the people, what were the the young people supposed to think when they heard that I'm in a, ch- I'm at church, I'm at a church service and Matt yeah. Hagee is here. And then this yeah. cr- crazy guy gets up with that stuff. So no, you can't marry the two. You, it's either got to be Jesus or the world. So and like you said, they go they go to this prayer, these prayer breakfasts and these prayer meetings, and they have some Buddhist praying, and then they have some Catholic praying, and so we're we're not supposed to be a part of that.
2: No, no, now if you're at a political campaign and you're you know you're rallying behind your candidate, don't bring don't bring your your brand of Christianity into that. You can pray on your own for that candidate. But you need to join with the political party in a political um way, not not in not making it religious as if it's some crusade that you're fighting for God. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because yeah, they they would look at it like that. There, you, there were crusades. You your candidate would lose. You're not doing your candidate any good when you do that. No. No, you have to base it on uh politics and the Constitution and the Declaration right. of Independence. and Yeah, and you have to Bill base of it rights? on the laws. Yeah, yeah the Bill of yeah. Rights is yes, very important, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. They have their own Bill of Rights. We have, as Christians, we have our Bill of Rights, of course, but <laughs> they have their own. So, yeah, you can't marry the two. You have to be able to give people free, their freedoms whether you like it or not, and then you, yeah. you do you do what you can to try to change the laws and and to be a voice, but not to act like a nut, like he's telling these people there at Andrew Womack's, and then that that lady there with the shofar, and uh, mm. it's just ridiculous. It really is. It's just going. the The Harlot Church has become the bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, that's what the title is, isn't it? And, and I, I wanted really a divorce. Like.
2: I wanted the divorce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, and see, that's the sad thing because it, it, it's all encompassing with every sort of false religion. And that's the ultimate goal of the hag of the great whore and the great whore is has been prophesied and is forming before our eyes. And what true believer wants to be a part of the great whore of the no. harlot, the no, harlot. We
1: no. no, we have, no, we have to separate ourselves. It's uh... It's a sad state of affairs, but we, the Bible says to be separate. And so we have to be separate from the world. We can't join in uh, on with these abominations just to make political points and mm. try to score things politically. So it's it's not the way we're we're supposed to be. But anyway, hopefully now we are we can uh, close the program. But Jackie, I want to thank you again for coming by and for sticking with me here with this sound thing that happened. I know. Earlier.
2: Well, I it's always I a pleasure.
1: Yeah, it's always good, always good. And so where can people find you if they want to uh, find you now?
2: Uh, well, you can look up
1: my my webpage is
2: com, And while you're on there, you might want to look at my my two part series called transformation complete and part one acid is called mother is transformation complete. Mother church is now mother earth and part two transformation complete non-catholic Christians took the paradigm shift. And so those, uh, I think that series kind of spelled out a lot of what we were just talking about. Yeah, that sounds and, good. And that's at ChristianSentinel.com. You can also find me on YouTube under Jackie Alnor. And, um, yeah, and listen to me uh, when I'm a
1: guest with Susan. Yeah, season. and yeah, Jackie comes on once a month here on our network, and also she's on Facebook and she has a public page, so you yes. can go over there and Jackie's always posting things and there's lively discussions, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, but do check out the Christian Sentinel because Jackie's been writing for how many years? Thirty years at least, forty years. Least. You've yeah, been, yeah. And she she's got some great articles. She spends upon hours doing her research, and you'll be blessed by the uh, articles that she has up there. And uh, so we thank you, Jackie. Thanks for all your good hard work. Thank you and too, Susan. Yeah, we praise the Lord for uh, all our blessings and yes, we do. Our, our our ability to to be here and to try to help people come out of these ridiculous harlot the harlot system, which we don't belong there. We we're the bride of Christ. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Not the bride of Christ. <laughs>
2: All yeah. right,
1: well, anyway, on that note, see you that. next time. All right, Yeah, bye. see you next time, bye. All right, everybody. Don't forget the most important thing today is do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Jesus said in the third chapter of John that ye must be born again. First, you're born of your mother, and then you must be born again of the Spirit of God. In the book of Romans, it says that confession is made with the mouth unto salvation. You must confess your sins. And he is able and just to forgive you of your sins, no matter what they are. Only Jesus can give you true joy and true peace, no matter what storm you're going through today. He loves you. He gave his life for you. And salvation is a free gift. God bless you.